All right, so I'll be reading from Proverbs again. So starting with verse, or chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. 8, 17, or 18 and 19. Does wisdom not call? Does not understanding raise her voice? Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield, <clears throat> and my yield than choice silver. 11.18. The wicked earns deceptive wages, but the one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. 11.24. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. 11.28. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. 13.11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. 14.31. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. 15.16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. 16.16. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. 19.17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. 20.17. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of gravel. 21.13. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. 22.1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. 22.4. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. 22.9. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. 28.6. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. 28.20. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. 28.27. Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eye will get many a curse. 30, verses 8 and 9. <clears throat> Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the chance uh, to be now before your word and for it to speak into our lives. God, we humbly confess that we are foolish and we seek after the things of this world far more than we seek after you. So often that is the case, God. But we come now uh, sitting before you, submitting our lives and our hearts before your word, asking God for you to speak truth and to speak wisdom. God, we know that your son, Jesus Christ, is wisdom personified is wisdom that has come to us and has shamed the foolishness of man. So God, may we seek you in your son, Jesus Christ, and may you grow us to be wise servants of you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. For everybody here that uh, is a grown-up, which is most of you, uh, I wonder if you can remember back to a, a time in your childhood. I'm thinking probably especially in that like preteen, early teen age when you just really wanted to be a grown-up. Do you remember that? I remember that frustration right before you could drive and before you had a lot of freedoms. And so you just were always frustrated because adults had some, some freedoms and liberties that you didn't have as a young kid. And it just drove you crazy. Does anybody remember that feeling? I, I also have now had the feeling many times looking at young kids 
and uh, looking at how carefree they are and how little stress they have in life. And now I look back and I'm like, man, I wish I was a kid again, right? And many times we, as, a, as, a, as a kid, you wanted to be grown up, you're ready to take on the world. And now as a grown up, you're like, being a grown up is hard. <laughs> It'd be easier to go back and be a kid. Maybe you have that, uh, that's that, the thinking of wanting to go back uh, on a Monday morning when you're like trying to get up to go, go to work and you're like, I'd rather just be a kid. Like first grade didn't seem so hard anymore uh, compared to whatever you've got uh, facing you tomorrow morning. Uh, or, or maybe the time that you think about it most is when you've got one more bill to pay, one more, one more uh, check to write, one more financial obligation, and you're thinking, man, to, to have the freedom as a kid to not have to think about money. I mean, as kids, I don't know how much you thought about money. I mean, I knew that stuff costs stuff, and at a certain age, you know, you get to understand, but, but it's kind of abstract. Like Lois has, has a little bit of cash, and we were trying to, we needed some $5 bills, and she had a 20. I mean, she had fives, and we had a 20. We we're trying to exchange that. That was really confusing to her. You know, kids, money's kind of abstract and doesn't really make sense. And so they, they can kind of live, for a little while at least, without having to worry and without having to really think about all the stresses that come along with money. But as adults, when we try to adult, adulting is hard because there's so much that we have to figure out. One of the main things we have to figure out is money. I, I wonder if any of you have any, anybody ever had any money problems? You got any money problems? Well, say, of course I've had money problems. I, the biggest problem is I need more of it, right? That's what you think. I, I just need some more money. That would be the solution to my problems. Well, maybe, maybe not. But of course, debt is one of the biggest financial problems that many, many people face. That's a huge issue. Um, Maybe you look back in the past and there's been some, some pretty significant financial blunders, mistakes, poor decisions you've made. Maybe there's a period in your life where you were unemployed or underemployed. You had a job, but it wasn't paying enough. Uh, maybe they've gone through a season of life where you just had some bad spending habits that got you in, into some trouble. Uh, maybe there was a time where you were making pretty good money. Maybe today you're making pretty good money, but along with more money comes what? More problems. And so you've got extra responsibilities now that you have more money. So whatever it may be, whether you feel like you're succeeding in the world financially or, or struggling a little bit financially, all of us, I think, have probably had some kind of financial struggles. I, I looked around. There was a study done back in March uh, by the American uh, Psychological Association that found that 72% of Americans had reported feeling stressed about money within the last month. 72% of Americans had felt stressed about money within the last month. Uh, another report I found that 70% of Americans say they're having some kind of financial difficulty in at least one area of their finances, whether it be debt or spending or trying to save up for something like retirement or vacation. The 70% of people are saying, I'm having a hard time in this area, at least one area of our finances. So in, in any of all the areas that are going on in our life, I would say it's safe to say when it comes to our money and our finances, we need a lot of wisdom, don't we? We need wisdom. Money is complicated and confusing and hard and challenging, and so we need God's wisdom. We need biblical wisdom when it comes to how we handle our finances. This summer, we've been going through Proverbs, and we've been taking a subject and surveying the entire book of Proverbs to the best that we can to find all, the, all that Proverbs has to say around one subject, and then begin to say, okay, what, is, what does Proverbs teach us? What is the wise way to walk? How do we walk in wisdom with regard to that subject? And so today we come to money. I, I made a number of categories kind of as my pre-study for this summer. And, and I just kind of, as I came across things that were repeated, I would jot them down. And, and so money was one of the early ones. 
And as I started going through, I was like, well, that verse is about money. That verse, I came up with, and I'm sure this is not official, I'm sure there's more. I came up with at least 80 different Proverbs that all reference money. Behind talking about wisdom and foolishness just by themselves, money is one of the, one of the most talked about subjects in the book of Proverbs. So I think that reaffirms what we kind of notice from our own lives, that God agrees we need wisdom when it comes to money. Because he had a lot to say when it comes to wisdom. And that's true all the way through the Bible. We're sticking uh, to Proverbs today. Money by itself uh, is neither good nor bad, is it? Money is just something. It's just, just an object, just a, just a tool. But it has tremendous power to be one or the other. Uh, one, one author, Jim Neuheiser, I think is how you pronounce his name, he wrote a book, Money, Debt, and Finances, that a number of people have recommended to me. And he compares money to fire. Both money and fire by themselves are neither good nor bad, but they have tremendous power to do either, don't they? Some people's life, you're, you're, you're many times, you know, I mean, our, our engines essentially run, you know, fire essentially makes that happen. If you're out on a cold night, you need fire to stay alive. We need fire for so many things, just like you need money for so many things. But just like the West is facing, the West of our country is facing right now with tremendous wildfires raging through, there are... Uh, incredible dangers that can come when both fire or money, either one, gets out of control and is not headed in the right direction. I wonder if you can point to some, some times in your life where, where you have felt that destruction that's come from money either handled the wrong way, either it was your, your choice, or, or somebody else did something to you that hurt you financially. And so I wonder if you can look back and you see the power for bad that it can have. I wonder if you can also look back and see the power for good for the good things that have been accomplished, things that God's kingdom that have been accomplished because money was used in a healthy and good and positive way. And maybe looking at your own life, I wonder if you can see some of the places where you have some sin against the Lord when it comes to how you handle finances. That, that could be in any number of ways. God tells us not to be anxious about anything. So maybe that's the most common sin when it comes to finances is that we stress. We get worried. We get anxious about our money. Or maybe for you, there's a, some, some bad habits, some irresponsibility. Maybe you, finances are going well, and it's a temptation of, of pride and arrogance to think that, hey, you've got it all together when it comes to money. Or maybe money is an area of idolatry, that, that you've elevated this to a status where you're, you're more focused on the material stuff of the world, the stuff, money itself and the stuff that money can buy us, and that becomes an idol, becomes something that you elevate as a higher priority in your life than it should be. We all need wisdom when it comes to money and finances. And to be clear, the, Pro the book of Proverbs and the Bible as a, as a whole is not saying that, I'm just jumping ahead before I even read a verse, is not saying that if you just walk wisely, you'll be the wealthiest man on earth. You know? there, there is a false teaching that's rampant through the world, through the church, uh, that says, hey, if you just live holy, then, then your bank account's going to be full and your health's going to be great, and everything's going to be smooth and easy. It's a prosperity gospel, and it's as, as, as false as anything else uh, that's not of the Bible. I mean, it's just incredibly misleading, incredibly misleading. Biblical wisdom, wisdom isn't about getting rich. It's about handling our finances in a way that honors God. Jesus tells us, you will have troubles in this world. So it's, it shouldn't be a surprise to us that there are troubles. What we do is, how, okay, with what God has given us, how do we honor God? with what we've got. That's wisdom. It's how we honor God with what we've been given. So Proverbs is very supportive of making a good, honest living, and maybe even that your finances abound and you prosper. But what's important is not the number in your bank account. It's what you do with it. 
It's how you honor the Lord with it. So as we look, look at Proverbs, I think we can start this way, that say that wealth may come to the wise. Wealth may come to the wise. Uh, we started Proverbs 8, the beginning of the summer, and Proverbs 8.18 says this, Riches and honor are with me. That's wisdom speaking. Riches and honor are with me, uh, enduring wealth and righteousness. So the path uh, of, the, of rich, of, to be rich, to make a, a good living, isn't going to come through being foolish, right? It's saying you gotta, if you're going to be wise, that's the only good way to handle, to get toward, uh, toward making a, a good living. Foolishness is not good for your finances. Wisdom is much better. Uh, remember back to the very first week when we talked about wisdom, we said that wisdom is not just knowing some information. It's about who you are. It's about your character. It's about how you live. It's about the difference between right and wrong and choosing the path to eternal life, truly honoring God. So Proverbs affirms that truth here with our finances too. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce, and then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. People who are, who are truly wise with their money, uh, and they're the ones who say, how can I honor God with this? How can I honor God with my money? Whether it's a lot or a little, the first question is, how do I honor God with it? When it says first fruits in verse 9, that's it's an agricultural picture of, of a harvest that comes in over time. The first fruits are the very beginning of the harvest. And so the idea is we're putting God as the top priority. The first fruits, so honoring God with that, giving to God from the very beginning and saying, I, I want you to be the top priority. That keeps the farmer from saying, this is mine, and I'll get to God when I get to the end to see if I have enough left over for him. No, say, I'm honoring God from the beginning with my money. So when Solomon was teaching was to honor the Lord, to make him the top priority, and then trust God, in verse 10 it says, that he will fill our barns as he so sees fit. Proverbs 11:28 picks up the idea of trust. Uh, Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green Leaf. If we are trusting in money, you will fail. It is money, wealth is a terrible master. It is a terrible one to serve. Money makes a good servant. It can serve and accomplish things, but money is a terrible master. If your trust is in your money, then it's going to lead to destruction. But if we trust in God, if we're righteous, if we're seeking Him, then He very well may choose to give us wealth that we can use for His glory and His honor. Wealth may come to the wise. He may see that to be a good thing for you and for his kingdom. In a just society, the general principle here in Proverbs is that if you're honoring God, if you're working hard, if you're doing the right things, then God wants to give you things so you can use it for his glory. So what does that look like? Well, last week, we won't unpack that all again, but uh, one of the most important steps in wisdom when it comes to uh, our finances, is that we work hard. That's what we saw last week, Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So hard work, get this, news breaking here. Hard work is better for your finances than being lazy. You can, you can take that home and just you know, pass that along to all kinds of people, right? That's just basic 101 uh, living, right? And that's what Proverbs uh, gives to us. But it's beyond just that, beyond just working hard. It talks, Proverbs over and over again talks about our integrity and our character. Proverbs eleven eighteen: the wicked earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. And that's a helpful thing because you look around the world today and it's not just holy people that are making money, right? There are all kinds of unholy people making money. Uh, in the business world, so he says, the wicked earns deceptive wages. So 
Yes, the wicked person can go around for a, a long period of time, maybe even a lifetime, and they can earn all kinds of wages. They can build a vast, vast sum. But what Proverbs is telling us, and we've seen this play out in, just in, in people's lives, even the millionaires and billionaires of the world have seen it all come crashing down over a moral failure, right? The idea is eventually, in this life or in the life to come, that if we are wicked, it, it will not stand. It will not stand. It cannot keep us forever. The wicked earns deceptive wages, but to be righteous, to be following God, that's where your sure reward is. We're putting rewards in heaven, not on this earth. And God may choose to bless that even on this earth. The righteous, those with integrity, those who keep their word, they're the ones whose reward is sure. Proverbs 22, 4, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Wealth may come to the wise who follow the Lord and honor Him. That may look like hard work, it may look like integrity, it may look like a skilled labor. Proverbs 22, 29, who's, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Whatever your job is, whatever your task is, whatever your, your responsibilities do you have, are you getting better at it day by day? Or are you just showing up and coasting through life? There's a, a compliment here to the one who's willing to show up and get better at their job, to, to, to get better at their craft and to get better at whatever you're doing. There's an idea that, hey, this is what God, this is what it means to flourish in God's kingdom, to use your hands for good and to get better at what's going on. He says, those kind of people, man, they'll stand before kings. If you are skilled, if you're the best chef, then the king's going to come and ask you to cook. doesn't mean you have the most money, but it means you're being honored even here on this earth. Wealth may come to the wise, and the opposite is true. God may curse our foolishness. He will eventually, but he'll curse. sometimes he curses it even now. Proverbs 21, 17, Whoever loves pleasure will be a, a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Man, there's a word here to those of us who, are, who have an addiction or to have some kind of bad habit or maybe even just spend too much money on a hobby. And you say, well, this is, you know, whatever. You've got your kind of your side where you're spending your money. Hey, there's, what could that be used for? What could that be used for for good that we're throwing down the drain? Whoever loves pleasure, seeking after just pleasure, that's going to lead ultimately to poverty. Proverbs 13, 8, poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction. Whoever heeds reproof is honored. Maybe my favorite one here, I, I, I thought of uh, Chad Spain and all the, time, all the gravel work he has to do to get all the, the gravel. And, and he, liked, he liked this for Proverbs 20, 17, bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth is full of gravel. And so Brad, Chad, Chad was like, I can picture all that gravel, you know. You, you got all, you, you're trying to, if somebody's working, but they're, they're foolish. They're wicked. They're making their money by deceit. You think it's bread. It tastes sweet initially, but eventually it turns to just, just gravel in your mouth. The idea is that God, God eventually will not let wickedness go on. He will bring a curse to that. Proverbs is teaching us to don't just, the, the, when it comes to our wealth, when it comes to what really matters, we don't just watch our, our bank accounts. We watch our, our character. We watch our wisdom. You hear what's most important in these verses? It's, it's, not, it's not wealth. When it comes to our wealth, when it comes to money, what, what matters most isn't that. He's saying don't seek after wealth by itself. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eye lights on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. He's saying if, you're, if your primary focus in life is just to make another dollar, just to get ahead, just to be the next 
the next Jeff Bezos, right? Just to, I'm going to try to make as much money as I can. If that's your goal in life, man, it's, it's, like, looking, it's like chasing after an eagle with your hands and just flies. You can't, you can't keep up. It's not, it's not going to satisfy you. It's not going to fill you up. It's not worth being the primary objective of your life. If that's your top priority, it will not lead anywhere positive. All these Proverbs, we've seen that wealth, wealth can come and go. God can choose to give it, or it might not. But God has a better plan, a better top priority for you than just seeking after the status and the finances, the riches of this world. Proverbs clearly calls us. I think this is the number one thing that Proverbs teaches uh, over, over all the different verses all the way across the book is that Proverbs calls us to seek wisdom, not wealth. Seek wisdom, not wealth. It may be that as you seek wisdom, God chooses to give you wealth. But if you chase wealth instead of wisdom, you're getting either. God's saying in the long run, this is what we've got to make our focus, seeking wisdom, not wealth. Make that your top priority because it is a far better thing to chase. I, I counted 13 times in Proverbs where he lifts up some aspect of biblical wisdom and says it's better than wealth, better than money. I'll give you just a couple of them. Proverbs 8, where he read one verse from there, but verse 19, my fruit, again, this is wisdom speaking, my fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, my yield than choice silver. Or Proverbs 16, 8, better is a little with righteousness than great revenue with injustice. And, and B.J. read for us from Proverbs 3, 13, uh, and following, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. Over and over, Proverbs says, hey, there's something far better than just chasing the riches of this world. They will leave you empty. But if you seek wisdom, that is a much better thing to seek. What, what does that wisdom look like? Well, we've said all the way through this series that the, the, the theme of Proverbs is that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so it is here explicitly with money that we've used as our memory verse this month. Proverbs 15, 6. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble without it. Without, with it. The, it's better and better by far. It is no comparison to have a healthy relationship with the Lord. That is far better than having all the riches of the world. If you've got to choose between being poor and knowing Jesus and having all the riches and not knowing the Lord, it's way better to know the Lord. And that should be so obvious to us, shouldn't it? Like if I said that, I don't think anybody in this room would say, yeah, I'll, I'll pick no Jesus and lots of money. I'll pick that. No, nobody's going to say that. And yet, how do we live? What are we chasing after? Where's our energy? Where's our effort? Where's our toil and our striving? Are we just trying to make another dollar? Or are we seeking after the Lord? When it comes, last week we talked about hard work, diligence versus being a sluggard. Man, that's, that's, true, that's true at work and it's true in your walk with the Lord. Who, who are you seeking after? Where's your energy? Where's your effort? Are you investing in your relationship with God? Or are you just giving Him, you know, hey, here's the, here's the first hour of my week and now I'm going to go about the rest of my week until I, until I come back next week. Where, where are you investing? Are you investing in your relationship with the Lord or are you seeking after the things of this world? Fear of the Lord is this, this thing all the way through Proverbs that we've seen. It's all about our relationship with Him, giving Him the right honor and respect, fear and reverence and awe, right relationship with Him. That's the beginning. That's where wisdom starts. And that's far, worth far more than anything of this world. 
That same heart motivates Proverbs 38 and 9. And this verse, these verses, I think, could be misunderstood. But the priority here is that same thing, wanting to honor the Lord. Listen to these. It says, uh, Proverbs 38 and 9, says, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. I think you can misunderstand that to say, uh, you know, hey, I'm not God. I, here's my prayer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lower the, uh, the goal here a little bit for you, God. I, I don't want to be the next, next billionaire, okay? Just, just make me comfortable and middle class, all right, period. And that's the end of our request. That, that is not the heart of this verse. The heart of this verse is about honoring God. And he's praying similar to what Jesus would teach his disciples to pray when he said, lead, lead us not into temptation. So he's saying, God, this is my request. I want to honor you with all my life. And I can see that there are temptations on either side. God, if you made me fully rich, and, and all, I would begin to trust in that. And I would begin to, to just trust that I got life because I got all this money. Or God, if you made me poor, I may be tempted to steal. So just don't lead, lead me away from that so I can honor you. But whatever you give me, God, I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll honor you with it. His heart is about fearing the Lord, seeking wisdom over wealth. Jesus taught us the same, this same way, and we've got to find a way to, hey, what does it look like to reorient our priorities to make God more important than the stuff of this world? When it comes to money, it, this can be so hard to, 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 to put God in the right place, to put Him as the top priority. But wisdom is doing just that, putting God first and foremost. And the way that shows up, the fruit of that in our lives, when we put God first, is it begins to change our character. When our hearts are right with God, then the way we act changes. Wisdom is a right relationship with God and its character, the way we live, loving other people. So Proverbs 22.1, again, this better theme that comes up over and over in Proverbs. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than solid or gold, silver or gold. Your name, your reputation, who you are as a person, that's worth more than any, anything else that this world can give you. If you got a request this Saturday to go help a friend move, but you could also go into work and make some extra money on the side, which would you choose, right? What do you, what do you care more about? The stuff of the world or who you are as a person? 28.6, better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. 19.22, what is desired in a man is steadfast love, and a poor man is better than a liar. Man, again, we, we would all agree. We'd all affirm that. Yeah, I'd much rather be trustworthy. I'd much rather be somebody people can count on, even if I don't have a lot of money, than to be a rich man and people think I'm a liar and a just total loser, right? And yet, where are we really chasing in life? The Bible tells us this is not a, a clear competition. I mean, this, this is a clear, it's clear that this is not a competition. It's far better to be person who is, has character and has a right relationship with the Lord. We've, we've all seen the slogan, maybe it's a bumper sticker or post online somewhere, that he who dies with the most toys wins, right? And people say it kind of in, in jest, like, you know, of course that's not true, but, but we live that way sometimes. We, our focus is on the next thing, you know? Uh, I, I can't remember if I've used this here or not, but I, we had a little Mickey Mouse book uh, as a kid where, where Mickey and his dog, uh, Pluto, is that his name, Pluto? 
are out, they're out in this little bitty boat that only has space for two of them, and they're out fishing, you know, and they see a bit, little bit bigger boat go by, and they're like, oh, man, we got to get a bigger boat. And so he goes, and he gets a little bigger boat, but also three friends who want to come with him. And so now I've got more people, and, and that keeps happening five or six times until, until Mickey is like the captain of this cruise ship, and there's all these people, and Pluto is over there on the, the original boat with another friend, and Mickey's like, man, that looks like a lot more fun. And he goes and sells the, the cruise ship and goes and fishing with, the, with his boat. We, we think, hey, if I'd get the one more thing, if I just get the one more thing, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be good. Then I'll be, then I'll be satisfied. There, there is no end to that line. They're, like literally these guys are running out of things to buy, so they're going up in space now, right? Because they've got nowhere else to go. They've done it all. And so they're exploring the galaxies. Man, you, you can't get to the end. There is no end. If you just keep in seeking after the things of this world. Wisdom is saying what matters more is my relationship with God and who I am, who God's shaping me to be, and following after Him. Wisdom is Seek wisdom, not wealth. Grow in holiness. Trust God to take care of our needs. God, God he, He's a good Father. He's a good Heavenly Father. And He tells us that just like a father, when, it, when a son asks for bread, he doesn't give him a stone. When, somebody asks, when a son asks for a fish, he doesn't give him a snake. A father knows how to care for your needs. He loves to meet your needs. Are you dependent upon God? Do you trust Him to meet your daily needs? Or are you seeking after the things of this world, trying to satisfy yourself? It's helpful to remember that even the things that we call ours, they're not really ours, are they? To go outside of Proverbs just for a minute, Proverbs, I mean, Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell in it. Everything here and everyone here belongs to the Lord. Anything God has given you is just that. It's a gift that He has given you. Even as hard as you worked, doesn't matter what you did, it's still a gift from the Lord. And you know what? You can't take it with you. Eventually, you're going to give it back. He who dies with the most toys still dies and has to give the toys back. You have to pass it along. You will not keep it forever. Are you seeking after the things of the world? Are you seeking after the Lord? We are just managers of stuff. We are not owners of stuff. The owner can come and take it anytime he wants. We are just managers. God, God has given us His, His Word, His wisdom, because we, we need guidance to be good managers. And the way He calls us to do that almost feels backwards. These last set of verses I want to read to you from Proverbs about money are almost counterintuitive. They, they seem like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And yet this, I think, is the most profound way that we can follow the Lord when it comes to our finances. I'll summarize it this way to say the most generous people are the wealthiest people. The most generous people are the wealthiest people. Listen to this and hear how backwards this sounds. Proverbs 11.24, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Do you hear that? Do you hear how backward that sounds? How is that possible? How can we give away and yet be richer? But this is not a one verse off. You know, I'm not miss, missing this. This is over and over. Proverbs 28, 27. Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get a curse. The most generous people are the wealthiest people. It's not, I'm not saying, don't hear what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that the most generous people, those are the people, they just have a lot of money, and so they, they, of course, when they give, they have more to give. That's not the point. It's the other way around. The people who give, the people who are generous, those are the people who are, are genuinely wealthy 
in the greatest ways. When God looks down in his economy, it doesn't always match up with ours. And God says, you know who's really wealthy? You know who's really doing well? It's the widow who gave two coins at the temple, gave away all she had. Those two coins were worth a penny. And Jesus says, there, that is the example of generosity. That's the example of seeking the kingdom of God. In Proverbs, it's saying those who are truly wealthy are the ones who are the most generous. That, that verse 11:24 that I read make, makes sense to a, to a farmer, right? And yet, we, this is backwards to us. If, you, if you're a farmer and you've got a lot of seeds, but you're nervous about losing them, so you just keep them all sheltered up in a, in a well-insulated and locked-up barn, and you just keep those seeds in there to protect them, you know what they're not going to do? They're not going to grow crops, right? And eventually, they will actually rot, and they will be useless. You could try your best to try to protect those seeds so nobody's going to come get my seeds, and you, and you got them. But you know what a farmer has to do to get, to get crops? He's got to go out to a field. He's got to let them go. He's got to put them in the ground so that they can grow. That's the only way. And you know what? Some of them aren't going to do it. It's, it's risky. Bad weather could come. There is, there is inherent risk in giving something away. It may get abused. Tornadoes may come, windstorms, rain, hail, freezing. The person you give something to may abuse it. You never know. When you give it away, there is risk in that. But there's a greater risk in keeping it to yourself and holding on to it and saying, this is mine and nobody can touch it. He says, one who gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what you should give and only suffers want. Are, are you a generous person? When people look at you and how you handle your finances, and they don't need to know anything, Jesus tells us, you know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. If you're being generous so that people will pat you on the back, then you've got ulterior motives here, right? But if, if people could take an honest look at the way you spend your money, would they be able to say, you're a generous person? Again, not by the, the total sum we give away. Some of us have more than others, and that's okay. But are you a generous person? Are you, is your heart, where's your heart on this? Always, the Bible is focused on your heart. Where's your heart? Because your heart leads to actions. Proverbs 22, 9, Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. Man, uh, Brad used the illustration this week. Anybody, you go on a mission trip, and you go on a mission trip thinking, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to serve these people and I, I'm gonna, it may have cost me some money or, or just some time off from work, away from my family. I'm going to show up and give. And you know what happens on every mission trip I've ever been on? Is you end up receiving more of a blessing than you ever give away. That's God's economy. Just try to outgive God and see what happens. Try to invest more in His kingdom and see if it doesn't fill you up. He's not promising that your bank account's going to be full. Started with that disclaimer, right? It's not about earthly prosperity. It might be, but it might be that you give everything away and you see somebody come to know the Lord or a kid who's, who doesn't have a home and now he's got a foster home or whatever. God, God can pour blessing into your life far more than you can bless his kingdom. Try him. Try to be over generous and just see what happens. Jesus in Acts 20, 35, it's more blessed to give than receive. It's been said, you know, it's probably, I don't know who came with this first, but of course not me. Two of the greatest ways to determine somebody's priorities, look at their calendar to see where they invest their time, and look at their bank to see, their bank statements to see where they invest their money. What are you investing in? If you categorized all the things that you spend money on, you know, what are the needs, what are the pleasures, what are the joys, what's selfish, what's selfless, what are you investing in? Because whatever you're investing in, that's, that's where your heart is. Your heart goes after your money. That's what always happens. I got from Randy Alcorn, the treasure principle. Your heart always goes after your money. 
And so wherever you're putting your money, that's where your heart's going. Where are you investing? Randy Alcorn also said that the greatest, uh, the giving is the greatest antidote to materialism. If, you, if your sin problem is that you're focused on the things of this world, easy solution. Give it away. And your heart can't be focused on anymore. I'm telling you, Jesus, Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, cut, cut it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter into heaven without a hand than to go to hell because you held on to stuff. And so Jesus, same way here in Proverbs, give it away. Give it away and see if God doesn't transform your heart that way. Jesus tells a parable about talents and says, you know, he gives a lot of talents to one guy who goes and multiplies it, one talent to one guy who goes and buries it. To the one who multiplies it, he said, you've been faithful over little, I'll set you over, to, over much. But the one who hid his money says, you wicked and, here's a good Proverbs word, you wicked and slothful servant. Slothful servant. You didn't work, you didn't invest, you didn't give, you tried to just hold on to it. And it just died. It's not what it looks like to follow God. God, God may call, be calling you to, to, to change the way you, you handle your money. To say, God, I, this is, I want to honor you with my finances, whatever, whatever that looks like. Maybe you've got a lot of responsibilities and a little bit of money. And so it's just, hey, God, I'm just squeaking by. Maybe you've got very few responsibilities and a lot of money. And so you get all kinds of freedom. But whatever it is, all of us are in a different place, and we're all called to the same thing. To seek wisdom, not wealth, and trust God and honor Him with it. Listen, God, God does incredible things in however He wants to do it, and sometimes He chooses to use money. Hospitals are built Schools are built, church buildings are built, missions are funded because of money. This week, you, we are hosting over 60 kids in camp in a facility that will be air-conditioned in July in South Carolina. That was enabled by your giving, right? This probably cost money. I don't know how it happened, but it probably did. You guys are feeding these children. You're going to show them love and support. And there are a lot of things that we, we do. We're as, as frugal as we can be. But it's, let's be honest, it takes money to do ministry. And you're making that happen when you give to Infinity Church. We are right now, right now, around the world in at least three different countries. I just couldn't, I couldn't guarantee one other one. I'm going to say at least three different countries, there is preaching that is going on because of your giving through Infinity Church. Right now, there are pastors in Mexico, Cuba, and the Ukraine whose ministry is funded in part by many money that you give through Infinity Church. How cool is that? You're making the Word of God. You're enabling the Word of God. Now, God doesn't need you. He doesn't need any of us. He can do it however He wanted. And yet He's choosing to use your gifts to do incredible things. There are churches right here in Greenville County that are old and they've had a hard time and they're being revitalized and ministry and work is going in and investing them. And we are investing in that because of money we give through the Greenville Baptist Association that's helping to revitalize and bring new life to churches right here in our own county. One day we, we might, I, I will not presume on God's plans. God can do whatever He wants, but there might be, and I prayed it, that God would, would so bless the ministry of this church that we outgrow this space. I don't know if it's going to happen, but we might, by God's grace, outgrow this space. And we might, in order to be able to fellowship and worship all together, we might one day need to be able to have a bigger space. We've got the land. He's given us, given us the land. There might be a time that He calls us to build a little bigger space, not to be proud or arrogant, but so that we can worship together and seek His kingdom. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take money. God doesn't need it. God can do it however He wants. But your generosity makes things happen. When you give to kids around the world, when you give to your neighbor across the street, 
you're, you're, you're saying, God, I'm, I'm honoring you. This is your money. It's always been your money. You're just calling me to manage it, and I will honor you with it. What does your bank account say about your heart? What does it say about your priorities? Even all the way in the Old Testament and Proverbs, we see a glimpse, in the upsound, ups, up, glimpse of the upsound, upside down, easy for you to say, glimpse of the upside down way of the gospel. When Christ came, he lived totally backwards from the way everybody else thought. But it's what God had been saying all along. Jesus was totally upside down and backwards. Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 2 Corinthians 8 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, there was no one richer than Jesus Christ. He had the throne of God. He was in heaven. He had been in a perfect relationship with his heavenly Father through the Holy Spirit from the beginning of time, before the beginning of time. There was no one who's ever been richer than Jesus. And we just get, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you and me, by his poverty, might become rich. That is upside down living. That is giving things away. That is planting. That is sowing so that others can reap, so that fruit can grow. Giving things away. Jesus laid down his life. He laid down heaven. He laid down his life in the most generous act of love ever imaginable. And he did it so that we could have a relationship with him. This morning, I invite you to seek your own heart. Search out your own heart. What, what is, where is your sin when it comes to how you view money, finances? Can you lay it down to him? Can you confess it before him? Can you confess anxiety or being irresponsible or pride or idolatry with materialism? And can you seek to fear the Lord more than you fear the other things? Don't fear man. Don't fear the bank. Fear God. Seek wisdom, not wealth. And see how God wants you to honor Him with your finances. And my recommendation in doing that is to find a way to be generous.